coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. For as long as I can remember, I have truly felt that my mom loved my sister more than me, and it hurts very badly. Whenever I bring things up like this, she tells me that I'm crazy, and she tells me that I need to see a therapist because I'm jealous of my sister. And I can promise you, Dr. John, I'm not jealous of my sister, but I am jealous of my mom and how she doesn't see how special and beautiful I am. Hey, what's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. We're so glad that you're with us. Talking about your marriage, your mental health, your emotional health, your relationship, kids, whatever you got going on in your life. If you want to be on the show, give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. And listen, it makes such a huge difference. And it embarrasses me how big of a difference this makes. If for you just to run over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button, it changes everything about the algorithm, changes everything about putting this show into other people's lives, whether they even asked for it or not, and it begins to give them help they didn't even know they were looking for. So if you will like or subscribe or do all that stuff, um, it makes such a huge difference for the show, but more importantly for your neighbors, people that you, <laughs> you're not going to talk to. So um, if you want to be on the show, like you said, give us a buzz at one 3291 or go to com slash ask ask all right let's go out to iowa city iowa and talk to riley what up riley hi how are you doing today i'm all right man how are you um i'm i'm doing better than before but but yeah so what's up man? on what's up so me and uh me and my wife um we haven't been really been doing too good these last few weeks i haven't been my best um, just found out, um, recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, she, uh, cheated on me and, uh, I don't know. I, I just, my head's everywhere still, and I just don't know what to do. I first was thinking about rushing into a divorce. Um, but once I started getting out of my emotions, I started thinking of maybe possibly trying to work it out. I, I just don't know because it's also hard because we also have a one-year-old and yeah. How long you been married, man? Uh, sadly, we've only been married for about six months, um, but we were together for about four years. So you, okay. So you've been together for four years and she cheated on you while y'all were dating? Uh, no. Uh, she Cheated on me when we were uh, married. So you've only been married for six months? Mm-hmm. So this is very recent? Yes. And you have a one-year-old? Yes, we have a one-year-old. Okay. So somewhere between the baby being born and na- and then y'all getting married, um, she was with somebody else? Um, that's the thing I don't know if they were really like it was like a long-term thing or if it was just like a she told me it was just like a one-time thing um so but you don't believe that i don't know what to believe yeah (laughs) i don't know yeah i hate this for you man yeah and it sucks because i'm only 22 and I I understand in some parts, um, you know, I, I wasn't giving her, you know, more love and affection that she wanted. It is, I don't know, I'm just, I got a lot on my mind, a lot on my plate. So you're 22, you've been with the same woman for four years, you've been married for six months, you have yeah. a one-year-old baby. And mm-hmm. during a recent discussion, your wife told you that, hey, within the last six months, within our, our time of being married, um, I had a one-night stand with somebody. And somebody not that's not you. And you're 22. You got a lot going on in your mind. And yeah. um, you don't really know which way to turn. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Because I... I I've just been really set on wanting us to get us, you know, financially stable and living the life that, you know, a lot of people could dream of. And, um, what are you doing for work right now? Um, just to, you know, bring money on the table and provide, I just do security. I make 
I make okay money there. I I am thinking about getting a new job though, or maybe getting a second job to bring more money in. But what's your wife um, do? She works in assistant care living. Okay. Do y'all have childcare for your baby? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you need to work three jobs, dude. And your wife probably needs to work one, maybe two. Maybe if she needs to be home with baby when she, as soon as she can, I get that. And this is separate than the conversation here. I'm going to circle around and answer your original question here. But you sound like a 22-year-old guy who the whole world just showed up in your house. And when I say the whole world, I mean reality. And most 22-year-olds, yeah. especially in the U.S., live in this fantasy world. It's not real. Right? Like, I want to follow my passions, and I want to have a unicorn and a pony. And I don't want any bills, and I want to live in downtown Manhattan in a 4,000 square... Like, they just don't live in reality. And your reality just hits you in the mouth. You have a baby. You have a wife. Yeah. You're dealing with infidelity. You don't have any money. I'm assuming you don't have a degree or a career trajectory? Um... No, okay. I don't have no degree or anything. I, the main thing I just want to be is an author. Okay, that's not for today. Yeah. I w- have been a best-selling author two times over, three times over. Number one, twice. And it didn't happen until I was in my 40s. And I've been writing my whole life, okay? Yeah. So I want you to, you write every single day of your life, but you do that after the baby's in bed and after your wife's asleep. Yep. Right now we're working two and three day, two and three jobs because you've got to get out of survival mode because right now your head is so clouded. You don't even know up from down, left to right. Um, and that makes the, the, when your body's in fight or flight, when you're just trying to survive, you don't make good rational thinking, rational, um, uh, you don't do things rationally because your brain doesn't want you thinking rationally. It wants you to not die. It wants you to survive. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the way we're going to get out of this is by slowly getting your feet into concrete, standing on some kind of firm foundation here. One of that, well, those steps is going to be financial, okay? The other thing is going to be you standing up, feeling a little bit more like um, a dad, like a husband, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't feel like that right now. You still feel like a little boy, fair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You feel like a little boy. You're not. You're 22 years old. You can vote. I don't know if the options are great, but you can vote, right? And right. you're going to be able to, you have a kid, you have a wife, you got stuff to do, right? So we're going to get a couple of jobs and we're going to do that today. There's too much work out there right now, okay? That's number one. Number two, do you have a man in your life that you can sit down and talk to? Uh, Yeah. Who? My my father. Is that a good person to talk to? Oh, he, he's a great person to talk to. Does he tell you the truth? Or does he tell you what you want to hear? Or does he try to make himself feel better at your expense? Nope, he's full on blunt. Okay, so what did he say when you told him that you found out your wife cheated on you? Uh, he said that I should give it just a couple weeks, let my head clear. Well, that's a good man then. Good for him. Because you, you've, you're like most of us. You have had this story in your head like, if anybody ever cheats on me, bro, I'm out of here. Right? You've said that to yourself over and over, right? Yeah. And then the idea of seeing your daughter two days a week, maybe, about rips your guts out, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it definitely, <laughs> yeah. And the thought of just throwing away four years of being in a relationship with somebody is pretty brutal too, right? You love this woman? Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I love her. Okay. Here's the thing that I don't know if y'all have done yet, Okay. And I'm going to hook you up with a couple of things to, to help you along the way. Um, y'all, if you choose to stay together, you're going to have to rebuild your marriage from the floor up. And I don't think that's a bad option for you anyway. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know that y'all were very intentional about how all this happened. She get pregnant and then you were like, oh, it's been four years. And you're like, well, let's just get married. And that's how that went. Um, no, I, it, I just, uh. It is one of those things where, like, we were starting to, like, get our lives together and stuff and help each other's passions and everything. And I just felt like, you know, uh, she was a she was a one, I, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, she was carrying your baby before you got you even proposed, right? 
Um, no, I, I proposed to her before she was pregnant. Okay. All right. Let me tell you something about following your passion. You become really passionate about what you're good at. And you become really good at what you practice all the time in the dark when nobody's watching. And for most of us, we either have some insane internal drive that's just crazy. Or we have a coach or a deadline that is forcing that upon us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right now, you like the idea of becoming, of being paid to be a writer. Oh, yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, no. Uh, it's been my dream since, and my passion since I was in second grade. All right. I'm going to give you a stark other side of it. Having a book deadline due, I turned in a chapter for my last book on Christmas Eve. I wrote on Christmas Day. I had a standoff with my wife in the garage where she was sobbing. And I had to, I was in service to a book deadline. So there's a life to being an author on the other side. And there's the book tour. And then there's the managing social media. So there's a whole other side of this thing that is hard to get passionate about until you have been grinding it for years. Okay. I tell you all that to tell you this. You guys deciding, like, we're going to support each other's passions, that's not a good way to approach a marriage. Mm -hmm. A good way to approach a marriage is, I love you. What do you need from me today to be well and whole? Here's what I need. And then, but I've got to get my passion time in and get my fortnight time time in or whatever. That's not for today. Right. You need me to do X, Y, and Z? I'm in. I'm in. And in this world that I've, like in the book writing world, in the showmaking world, entertainment world, it's, it's those who with this relentless, almost lunatic drive that are up at before the world is up or is, is still awake late, late, late at night. Because they can't see a world where they're not, like, they can't breathe unless they write. They can't breathe unless they create something. They can't breathe. I remember a season when I couldn't get out of my head if I didn't understand how a, a, a psychological theory worked. So I'd stay up all night just trying to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. All my friends said, you're crazy. My family said I was crazy. It just became a thing I couldn't turn off. But you're not there yet. Right. Here's what I'm telling you all that stuff. You and your wife are going to have to decide to build something completely new. In October, if you're still together, I'm going to give you and her a pass to the Money and Marriage event that me and Rachel Cruz put on here in, in Nashville. Okay? Okay. Tickets aren't even for sale yet. It's, it's almost half sold out for people who went through it last year and immediately bought. Um, but we're going. I'm going to offer you two tickets. And that's if y'all are still together in October. Okay? All right. That's number one. <laughs> number two, I'm going to give you both of my books. Own Your Past, Change Your Future is about, okay, the world just hit me. Now what? Yeah, that, that, that would be great. Okay. And Building a Non-Anxious Life, the most, the most recent book, is a model. It's a path for you and your wife to build a sustainable life. Okay. Right now, you have yeah. a baby. You have a marriage that is hanging on by a piece of, of dental floss. It's not the time yeah. to follow your passion. It's time to get some economic security. You and her go see a marriage counselor, ASAP. We can't afford that telling you right now you got to have that right um we are planning on seeing a uh, marriage counselor this week lots and lots and lots and lots of people plan on seeing counselors and they never go yeah okay if she doesn't show up or doesn't want to go that's 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 what you need to know she's not invested if you Mm -hmm. don't show up that's what she needs to know you're not invested okay now 30 seconds here's what preparing for divorce looks like Get to see your kid much less. You're going to have to get a second place to live. Or she's going to have to get a second place to live. You're going to have to navigate child support, separate holidays, dating again, um, explaining to your friends and family, and figuring out with the kid. You see what I'm saying? None of this is easy. Yeah, no, it it definitely does not sound nor look easy. I, I witnessed my dad go through the divorce okay. process. and But also, staying with somebody who cheated on you is not easy either. Yeah. So you're going to have to choose your heart. There is no easy path forward. They're both very difficult. Right. Okay. I don't want you to think as one is easier than the other, is what I'm trying to say. They're both going to be hard. Yeah. 
If you still love this woman and you think you can make it work and she's willing to rebuild everything with you, that's going to be showing you her phone or not having phones, turning them off, not going out and meeting other people for lunch and dinner and things like that. They're going to put her in positions where she can have uh, make a stupid decision on one night that you are going to plug back in and ask her every day, how can I love you today? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And you show up. Right. If y'all want to rebuild something, that you get some economic security so y'all are not just scraping by every second of the day. Whew. Now y'all can build something that can last. And continue to sit down with your old man. He's a trustworthy guy, sounds like. Continue to say, hey, I'm not doing okay today. Or dad, what's your wisdom on this? I love that his first impulse was, I want you to take a breath. Because son, I've been down this road and it was hell. And it caused a lot of problems for me and my family. Just take a breath. It's a wise, wise man there. Make sure to call Riley. We'll be right back. Almost every day, whether I'm doing my red light therapy, driving to work, listening to the Gregorian chants on the airplane, or just sitting on my front porch, I spend time using Hallow, my go-to app for music, meditation, and guided prayer. And right now, I'm in a particularly stressful time, deadlines. I just finished a big speech in front of thousands of people, lots of travel. My family's ending school. It's just chaotic. And recently, I made a decision to dive even deeper into my faith and spiritual practices. And all of my life is up in the air, and Hallow is helping me stay grounded. Hello is the number one prayer app on planet Earth. They have 10,000 audio-guided prayers, meditations, including daily prayers, daily gospel reflections, psalm readings, daily minute meditations. And there are places for people who are skeptical and new to the whole faith thing. And there are tons of spaces for those who have been swimming in faith waters for their entire life, and they just want to go deeper. Stories, audiobooks, special things for kids, special focuses for mental and emotional health, so much more. And listen, in May, they're going to feature 33 Days to Morning Glory, which is a Marian consecration. And for listeners of the John Deloney Show, you get three months of hallow, all 10,000 plus prayers, meditations, music, all of it for free. Go to hallow.com for three free months of the app. That's hallow.com, H-A-L-L-O-W. Dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Let's go out to Los Angeles and talk to Jackie. What's up, Jackie? Hello. What up? How we doing? Hi, Dr. John. My husband and I are huge fans, so thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much. Um, I'm a huge fan of you, Jackie. Appreciate ooh, you. Awesome. <laughs> we listen to all of your shows, and you've genuinely become like a friend to us. But we just got to say we were slightly disappointed when we found out you were an Astros fan. Yuck. <laughs> is, that, is, that, uh, is that just simply because the Dodgers lose all the time? Uh, is that oh, no, why? It's because, because the Astros cheat all the time. Oh, so. okay, cool. Um, There's that. Yeah. There's that. Oh, well, There's hey, that, but, since uh, y'all y'all have just gone and purchased everybody and for a billion bajillion dollars. And I hope you feel good about yourself. You know, what it's going to be like, I heard a comedian say this once rooting for the Dodgers moving forward is going to be like going to Vegas and cheering for the house. Like, Hey, go Vegas. Way to go. Way to go. Dodgers. Hope you're happy with yourself. Still going to lose the Astros. All right. So what's up? Go Stros. Well, so my question today is about my mama. Okay. We'll take a hard left turn here. Yep. Um, So for as long as I can remember, I have truly felt that my mom loved my sister more than me. And I feel so silly calling about this as almost a 30 year old woman, but um, uh, it it hurts very badly. Um, It's like a big cut in my heart that I feel just doesn't heal because I won't let it in so many ways. But um, some of her actions that have showed this to me include like her saying like, wow, like your sister has such a calling on her life. She's so special. She's always been so special. And she says this like, like right when we're both in the same room or she'll be like, oh my gosh, like my daughter is just so beautiful. Isn't she Jackie? And I'm like, hey, I'm gorgeous and beautiful too. <laughs> um, but it's like little things like this to where like anytime my sister and I get in a little fight, like it's like a silly little fight or a big fight, you know, like sisters do. We're four years apart and we're, we're the best of friends. So, hey, we fight. Um, but she always immediately takes her sides her side no questions asked no questions asked it doesn't matter if she came to my house and you know she doesn't do this by the way but just hypothetically if she came over my house and she she just like 
completely shattered everything I owned, she would somehow find a way to take her side. Um, anytime um, she makes weird comments like the other, I'll give you a quick example on like, she made a little comment the other day on how like my sister's physically stronger than I am. And I'm like, hello, I have birthed two children. And she's like, yeah, no, she is physically stronger than you are. And I know that sounds so silly, like something a 15 year old would get upset at. But whenever I get upset at these things, it's not only that I get upset, I turn into this little 12 year old girl and I feel like a 10 year old again. I just feel like a, like a little child again. And my, I just feel so unloved, I guess. I don't know. Um, well, my question for you is, um, I know that she may never change. Oh, by the way, I may add that whenever I bring things, things up like this, she tells me that I'm crazy. And she tells me that I need to see a therapist because I'm jealous of my sister. And I can promise you, Dr. John, I'm not jealous of my sister, but I am jealous of my mom and how she doesn't, how special and beautiful I am. Yeah. And she doesn't respect my boundaries, but she respects my sister's. How do you and, know, how, um, how do you know that? Well, or let me ask you this. How, how do you know that she doesn't tell your sister how amazing you are that she's already given her grandkids or that, <sighs> that you're so amazing. How do you know that she's not propping your sister up in front of you because she sees her sister as so inferior to the woman you've become? Hmm. Can you, can you ask that in a different way again? <laughs> so I can understand that. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. So often there's a great saying by Dr. Brown, Brene Brown, who says, what we go looking for in the world, we are sure to find. Mm-hmm. And so there could be, there could be some objective reality here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, my brother is a kinder man than me. Mm-hmm. He just is. He is disposition. He's so kind. And if my mom was to say, your brother's kinder than you, that's, a, that's an objective fact. He really is. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And so if your mom is saying, she's stronger than you in front of both of yeah. you, that could be true. That could yeah. be true. Or yeah. like uh, any number of things. She makes more money than you. She's more successful than you. Yeah, that, I mean, if you look at our yeah. tax returns, she makes more money. Like, that could all be true. Yeah. But what I want to just put in the in the universe as a potential mm-hmm. is, is it possible that when your mom and your sister are alone, your mom is asking her, why don't you have grandkids yet? Your sister has given me two wonderful, beautiful grandkids. What yeah. about you? Your sister's already been married and already has this and this. What about you? Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Does that happen or no chance? Um, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. I was um, just trying, but <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah. not at so, all. No, in some ways, and I totally get what you're saying. I was actually going to add this on my notes. I'm like, dude, I, I'm like totally okay with my sister being more beautiful. She is. She like physically, you know, that is a truth. That is a truth <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and I'm, I'm the big sister. I, you know, I, I'm the type of person I'm like, my sister, I, when I say she's my best friend, I'm like, girl, I want you to do better than me in every area of my life. I truly mean that. It's like, it's more of like, uh, it's what do you, like what do you get from my, this? What do you mean? <laughs> you are, hanging, yeah, yeah. you hang on to something, this relationship with your mom, where she belittles you, treats you like you're still an elementary school kid that lives in her home that pits uh, you versus your best friend slash sister slash um, confidant. You get something from this interaction. Otherwise, you'd bail. What is it? Uh, you know what? Because you wouldn't put up her. with a boyfriend that treated you like this. No, I would not. No. And my husband tells me that all the time. Yeah. So what, what are you getting from this? You know what? I, I do enjoy our relationship for the most part, but she just crosses my boundaries so much. She just, I feel like she has no respect for me. She a clear, and, oh, let, let me clear. Yeah, clearly she has none. Yeah. None. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't. And when you bring it up, she says you're crazy. Yeah. And she says, you're the problem. You go fix it. Yeah. What are you getting from this? Ugh, nothing. Just pain in my heart. That's probably not <laughs> true. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I love her. She, I, I, I enjoy. I think she's one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. And to give you, I know this is no excuse for you. I listen to your show, but, um, her ACES score is an eight. And mm-hmm. the only reason it's not a 10 is because she was an orphan and okay. she didn't have parents to be divorced or be abusive. So okay. she's gone through so much where I, 
That and doesn't besides, give her. That doesn't give her a pass on how she right. treats you. Yeah, it just doesn't. Right. Yeah. And it's not your job to make sure she's okay for the rest of her life, as and and uh, as her doormat. Yeah. It's not. And that's how you feel always as a big older child, just like a doormat. I I've always just felt like a doormat. Like she just um um she she'll come into my home and just immediately criticize. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm, I did not plan on crying on the show. No, it's hard. It's hard. Forever. It's hard. It's okay. It's okay. So let me ask you, what are you getting from this? Ugh. I'll tell you what you're getting. You're getting a fantasy that one day you're going to do the right thing and finally fix this. Hmm. And that day's never going to come. And you hang on and you hang on and you hang on. There's not going to be an amount of money that you make. There's not going to be a car that you drive up in that your mom finally goes, my God, I'm so proud of you, Jackie. It's not going to come, is it? Nope. Mm-hmm. That's why you keep showing up. You keep showing up. Maybe this version is going to be okay. Maybe the next version is going to be okay. Maybe the next version of you is going to be okay. And meanwhile, you have this husband at home that loves you so much, right? So much. He's like, honestly, awesome. Just the best. Yes. And he's like, man, what, why do you keep going back to this woman? He, he always tells me that. He's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. Listen, you're trying to close a loop and you're not broken. Every child on planet Earth does it. Everyone does it. Because we all ask that question, why not me? Mom, why don't you love me? And your mom tells you, well, you're not pretty enough. You're not make this much. You don't have purpose. You don't have this. Your house. My God, what are you in your house? In your car? That's what you drive. And you think it's about that checklist, that somehow you can solve that checklist. And you've probably, you've been around long enough, half of your life now, from 12 to 12 to 30, let's say, more than half your life. Every time you click something off that checklist, like two more boxes end up at the bottom of the list. It just keeps growing. You can never finish it. Because it's not about you. It's about your mom. And my guess is she sees herself in you. And when she sees herself in you, she sees that girl that grew up in absolute hell. Mm -hmm. And her way of trying to make that cycle stop was to control every second of your life. And then beautiful fairy god sister comes along and screws it up for everybody. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So here's my big question. Are you ever going to sit down across the table from your mom and say, Mom, if you do X and Y and Z again, then what you're asking me is to not come around your home anymore. Are you ever going to do that? And that's not a, it's not a setup question. That's not a, a, it's not like a dare. I'm just asking, is that that day ever going to come? Uh, you know, I've done, yeah, I've had these conversations before and it's like, um, it worked. It was like a certain situation with the grandkids and I straight up told her, Hey, if you do this again, and my husband had to step in he's like, Hey, if you do this again, you can't, if you talk to my wife this way, you cannot come into my home. And because it had to do with the grandkids, she was like, Oh, immediately. I mean, it's a bit, she, she didn't cross the boundary for years. And so it seems like it's time for her, that talk again, but it's like, she, it's like she almost stopped honoring those boundaries but she started um doing it in a more subtle way now Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit harder for me to call out but i am to answer your question i am willing to do that talk but i just hate having those so i hate confrontation man (laughs) i just oh yeah dude yeah (laughs) no no kids like oh i can't wait for this one that's the worst here's why i ask you this if you have that in every five years you have to sit down and have a refresher or every five years, your daughters are going to get a little bit older and a little bit older. And so the ch- things are going to shift and change a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. If that's the price to pay for your kids having a good grandmother. And my guess is she's probably a good grandmother too, which makes this whole thing annoying, right? She's like the best yeah, grandmother exactly. in the world. She's the and worst. Like, that's the worst. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me be real honest. And you know this. At some point, this yeah. turns on one of your daughters. Yeah. One oh. of your daughters becomes the favorite and one of them doesn't. Yeah. And we're not going to let this happen again. Yeah. You've already lived this. Yeah. Okay. It's going to show up in Christmas presents for one over the other. It's going to show up in dresses. It's going to show up in comments. It's going to show up in all sorts of things, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's the other side of it. 
Um, you can spend a season exhaling, clenching your fist real tight and then relaxing it and saying to yourself, she doesn't get a vote. Mm. She doesn't mm -hmm. get a vote. And that sounds so trite at first, but if that becomes something you practice over time, yeah, I'm able to be in the presence of people who have so many opinions about me and I honestly don't care. I don't care. But it, it took me a decade to get there. I had to practice. Yeah. I had to practice. And occasionally somebody says something, man, I don't sleep for days. I don't. But it's a practice. Mm -hmm. Because all the other good that comes with them being in the room is worth whatever stupid things you're going to say about me or my boss or my friends or my whatever. I don't care. But it took years of me saying, you don't get a vote. Yeah. You don't get a vote. Or when she says, your sister is so beautiful, you grab your sister by the face and say, I know I'm so lucky to be her big sister. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go right with it. Your sister do that. She's, it, it, it's, it's like it roasts. In the, uh, I'm like, hey, I, I do. And then I agree. But then after I'm like, hey, like, hearing this every single day or like every other day you know I'm like oh, it, it starts to hurt my feelings very badly <laughs> yeah. so what we're yeah. not going to do is we're not going to let mom hurt her feelings anymore uh -huh. she doesn't have that right anymore she's lost she's cashed out that right your mm -hmm. husband he still has permission to hurt your feelings okay he's your ride or die yeah um, you probably have one or two best friends your sister maybe that's yeah. a small crew I think in my little little box I've got about six Mm -hmm. six dudes and one woman who I've given permission. Like you can call and cut me to the core. Mm -hmm. Other than that, man, you can frustrate me. You can let me have a bad day. You can, I mean, you can, you can push me into a bad day. You can whatever hurt me financially, but you're not going to, I'm not going to give you access to hurt my feelings. You don't get that. You don't get that. So let me hear Let, let me say this, Jackie, you're not crazy. I think you need to, I, I tell everybody to do this, I feel like, but I think it's really instructive here. I would love for you to write a letter to 12-year-old Jackie when the whole world figured out that your younger sister was beautiful and your mom was trying to process having two daughters after growing up in a lifetime of hell. Write a letter to 12-year-old Jackie and just say, hey, you're a good kid. You didn't deserve any of this stuff. Write a letter to 22-year-old Jackie who met this knuckleheaded husband of yours who fell in love Mom didn't approve. Mom kept talking about how great sister was. Let her know that she's loved. And then write a letter to 30-year-old Jackie, the woman you're about to become. And by the way, you want to be a gangster? Read it to your husband out loud. Let him know how important his love is to you also. But you have to make peace with 12-year-old Jackie and 21-year-old Jackie and 18-year-old Jackie and 30-year-old Jackie and stop outsourcing that piece to mom because you're not going to get it from her. That call will never come. And that doesn't mean there's not peace. Hang on the line. I'm going to send you a copy of On Your Past, Change Your Future. I think it'd be a good book for you to, to work through. We'll be right back. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest? Maybe it's a deep secret that you've never told anyone or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done and you're deeply ashamed about it. You're worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption in every part of your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this always, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start or even how to say these things. Therapy is a safe and effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get these heavy things off my chest and figure out what to do next. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time, and it doesn't cost any extra money. Listen, it's time to get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. 
All right, let's go out to Salisa in Austin, Texas. What's up, Salisa? Hello, how are you? Partying. What are you up to? I'm uh, trying to deal with the teen years. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. All the help I can get. Yeah. Good luck. Um, good luck. I was about to call you and ask you. In, yeah, I'm day by day trying to figure this out. Um, hoping I value your advice a lot. And so I'm hoping um, you can give me some helpful tips here. It's something we've kind of been um, dealing with for a few years now. Um, so basically my question in a nutshell, and I can dive in, but um, my question is how do my husband and I help to encourage and support our 16 year old son while he's struggling kind of on a day-to-day basis with a few different dynamics. Um, I'll dive into a few of those. Um, he's recently kind of lost his best friend and group of friends uh, he's struggling a lot to be at school and be in that environment. He really doesn't have much of a relationship with his biological father. And so that's been coming up a lot lately in the last probably two years. And then, you know, my husband and I now, his stepfather, we're trying to kind of create a space where he can process all of these things that are kind of going on in his life while kind of teaching him to have some type of purpose and not go down these negative um, paths while he's processing and dealing with all of this. So that's a lot to unpack, um, but curious on any yeah. advice there on, on all of this. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of thoughts here. This, I mean, this is, this is, um, I have a 14 year old and I have, I mean, this has been my career working with um, these folks. And so, um, why did why did his why did he lose his best friend in his gang? What happened? Um, basically, there was some drama that um, happened last year in school where somebody created a rumor about my son and his girlfriend, and it really stirred up a lot of drama with his friend group. And they kind of all didn't want to have anything to do with it, so they took off and really haven't come back around. And his best friend ended up kind of choosing that side instead of him. So it's been tricky <laughs> and I think really hurtful for him. And there was, um, I, I find 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds pounce on rumors and pounce on um, like big time, like big, like William Wallace statements. Yeah. But when yeah. those things are found to be untrue, they circle back real fast. So is there any truth at all to this? No. No, there was no truth. And I think it was created probably in jealousy. Um, but nobody's really come back around. And I think my son has really kind of just internalized and not really decided to put himself out there again. Um, you know, whether it's making new friends or talking to other people or reaching back out, I think he really is just, I think he's hurting about it, but he's not really willing to do much about it at this point. And I think we've kind of pushed him to think about, Hey, are there other, you know, kids clubs or groups or church groups or things that you could maybe be a part of where you have the opportunity to meet other people. Um, and this is kind of where I think my husband and I struggle is what we think is maybe the helpful solution. He's just not ready for yet. And so there's been really no action on his part. I got one more question for you. Tell me about this. You're helping him find his purpose and process this. What does that look like? Yeah. So I think um, kind of how we've been approaching that is one, we have started him in counseling and he's been on and off with that for a little bit. And we just recently, um, my husband and myself and our son have been going together to kind of work through some of this. And then the other piece of the processing piece, I think, is just having really like open communication with him and feeling like, hey, if there's anything you want to talk about or if there's books you want to read or any way we can help you dive into the emotions you're having, we're here. But that's kind of where my question comes in is I don't want to feel like we're over pushing and to the point where he kind of uh, pulls more away. And so, you know, maybe we're just totally missing some areas that we could really help him. And that's where 
Well, we're I, at right I appreciate now. your care there. And I, here's what I want you to know without a doubt. You are following the, the playbook perfectly. And I think if we were to look at 18 to 24 year olds, 18, 25 year olds, we have to be honest that the playbook doesn't work. Because here's what you've done. You have a, a son who went through something. I'm going to be honest with you. I've worked with young people my whole life, with teenagers and college students, high school kids and college students. It's very rare that someone creates a myth with no truth to it and every friend burns them to the ground. Sure. That's very hard. So I don't know if there's an unwillingness. I don't want to see it or no mom, I promise, I promise. And he's just our precious little baby boy. Or if this is one of those rare moments that somebody just flat made something up about him and his girlfriend and he lost everything. That's very rare. Okay. Uh, and that's just me. That's just my experience there, but it could have happened right. that way. Here we are. What a 16 year old is incapable of doing contrary to what the playbook would tell us is sitting down by themselves and wading through their thoughts and feelings and emotions and rationally landing on a series of steps to take next. They can't do that. They're 16. What a 16-year-old has to do is has to be pushed into, they have to do things. Yes, counseling can be important for you and your husband and him to learn how to talk. But here's where we get to this weird reciprocal cycle. It's, it's going to turn into a spiral really fast. It actually already is, but it goes into a spiral real fast. Here it is what it is. He pulls away a little bit and feels a little bit syrupy. I don't want to. I'm not ready yet. And what do you and your husband do? Y'all put something else on the table. Well, we'll go to counseling. We'll do this thing. We'll help you. If you want to do this, I'm going to pull away a little bit more. And then we're going to do. And so what he's getting all, what he's getting every little step of the way is exactly what his body is craving, which is an adult to tell him, I love you and I see you. Yeah. And his dad cut a hole in his heart by being gone, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what he does, I'll just walk through a couple of things he desperately, desperately needs. Number one, he needs you. Daily touch. You're my son. I'm going to hold your face every single day. Oh, come on, mom. Come on. I'm going to hold your face every single day. I'm going to look you in the eyes and tell you I'm so glad that God picked me to be your, your mom. The second thing is, is once a week, I want y'all to have some sort of, I'm, I'm going to call it a date, but you know what I mean? Like you take him to breakfast, you, you do dinner with just you two. Yeah. Cause there's that very strange thing that if he feels himself gravitating towards his stepfather, who sounds like he's a great guy, a good, good man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That there's that disloyalty to his bio dad, right? That's exactly what he said several times that he has always felt like he can't even call him dad because that's the connection he has really the only connection he has with his actual dad. So, that's yeah. right. That's right. And that's, it's a, it's a, but often we try to solve that by forcing new dad into that picture. You can reinforce it from the inside out with you. Okay. You can strengthen that relationship. Okay. Yeah. He, now the second thing he's going to need is he has to have a strong male role model. If not one, multiple, probably multiple. Okay. Most of the time, kids in this situation, some can make the leap to stepdad. They can. Some can't. And that's where coaches, jujitsu coaches, guitar teachers, somebody who he actively is involved with on a regular basis. And okay. so in my house... I'll just, I'm just going to tell you what I do in my house. My kids have two options. They can do one art and they have to do one art and they have to do one movement. That's just a thing. And the art can be a, yeah. an instrument. The art can be, um, which both of my kids have chosen. And then as my kids, one of my kids got older, uh, chose theater, but they have to do something expressive where they have to learn how to create and they have to learn how to create with a team. And there's a lot of stuff about neural connectivity and all that kind of stuff that is like playing an instrument, all that's important. And yeah. they have to do something with their body. Does your son play yeah. sports? Has any involvement, anything movement-wise? Yeah, he plays soccer at his high school, and so he's pretty involved with that and okay. pretty active. And he's got no friends um, on the soccer team? No, and that's kind of the, you know, I'll ask him, like, what about this kid? What about that? And I see you kind of hanging out with them around soccer. Why don't you 
ask them to go do something or, um, you know, our son's driving now. So that opens up a little bit more freedom. Um, and he's just like, eh, like I've asked him and they just tell me they're busy and kind of blow me off. So I think he just feels like, how much do I keep pushing if they don't want to hang out with me? Yeah, I just don't believe him. And I don't, I don't, I don't not believe him like as though he's lying, but I don't believe him in like the, um, something doesn't ring true there. Something's not ringing true. Sure. They may say, no, I'm busy. Cool. Well, what are we going to do next time? And here's how I would handle that. If I'm you, if I'm you, or here's how I would handle it in my house. Um, my son runs cross country. Hey, here's the deal, son. I'm inviting the cross country team over for dinner. I'm doing that. You can pick three or four people to come over, or I'm inviting the whole team. You get to pick. Now, my son would be like, invite everybody. That's just kind of how he rolls. My daughter would be a little bit different. But I think we both, we, you and I both know the importance of relationships for, for teenagers, period. And so I'm not just going to outsource that to my 16-year-old and say, well, you got to go make some friends. You got to make some friends. No, no, I'm a parent. I'm going to get involved. And it's not an overly dramatic, like, I'm over. no. I'm going to start having people over to my house. I'm just going to. Because there has to be something. There's something in the water here that's just not ringing true with me. Um, but he's got to have movement-related things, and he's got to have a relationship with that coach. And if it's not coming through soccer, then maybe he's got to do something else. And the final thing would be this. Um, and I think, let me say this. I think you're right about group activities. I think you're right about... Um, getting involved with church groups and things like that. I think that all that stuff is good. All that stuff is good. Give him a chance to be successful with other friends. The final thing is this. I do think your stepfather plays a role. And if it's a matter of saying dad or calling him Steve or Dan or whatever, that's not a battle. That's not a hill I would die on at this point. But we're looking for is um, we want a picture of what that looks like of what a male relationship with your 16-year-old son looks like. And so that might mean that your husband begins to take him out to breakfast. And it starts on breakfast at one is, I know you feel like you're betraying your dad. And so I'm not trying to get in the middle of that. That's your dad. And that's for y'all two to work out together. But we live in the same house together, so we're going to be friends. And I'm going to get involved that way. And there's going to be a constant, here's the key, a never-ending show up. I'm going to show up, I'm going to show up, I'm going to show up, and he's going to show up, your husband's going to show up, he's going to show up. And your son is going to do what he can over time to push him away, and it's not going to work, because I love you, kid. And what your son is going to learn in real time, oh, this is what being a man actually looks like, because my dad abandoned me. And until he can metabolize that, it's going to be tough, a tough road to hoe for him. But your husband's going to show him. This is what men do. They keep showing up for their sons. They keep showing up. They keep showing up. They treat their, mo their mom like this. They pay their bills like this. They do a budget like this. And so maybe it's just life lessons. Hey, I'm going to teach you how budgets work. I'm going to teach you how, how a household runs. I'm going to teach you how to fix a car. I'm going to teach you some things. But we got to have those relationships. And it might be, hey, I'm going to start taking jujitsu after soccer season's over. I want you to take it with me. Um, we're going to do it together. Um, and you can call me Steve. Call me Steve all the way through. If you're never comfortable, call me dad. That's fine. I'm not going to force that. Um, and I think it's good for him to keep seeing a counselor about his dad because his dad left him. And that's going to leave a, a dad-sized hole in that heart for a long, long time. But what we're looking for now that he's 16, we're looking for him when he's 22, 24. And he's able to feel inside his nervous system, but also look back in memory and say, oh, no, no, I got a picture of a man who kept showing up. Is my stepdad. I got a picture of a mom who never, ever let me pass. She grabbed my face every single day and said, I love you. My parents made me have friends. It was so awkward and so weird, and they made me. I'm so glad they did. But right now, we have a lot of talking and a lot of how do you feel and a lot of processing Let's begin to move towards action. The processing is still important. Having that conversation is still good. I recommend putting a spiral notebook on his bed and you, you and him can go back and forth or the three of you can go back and forth and writing things down. That tends to be a little bit more of a, uh, an honest way to communicate with a teenager sometimes because everything sucks or it's the worst or I'm fine. Um, sometimes writing it down is very helpful. Um, letting him see that you're grateful for him. 
letting them see that it was a really hard day together. But I love you. And I'm confident tomorrow's going to be a better day. Letting them see that and read it and then have to write back to you. Today was fine. Today was okay. I really wish that fill in the blank, whatever that is. But that may be a good way to y'all communicate together and continue to process this stuff together. But let's move towards action. Let's move towards movement. Let's move towards action. Let's move towards relationship. Not just thinking about or thinking about it and feeling about it. I'm going to send you a copy of Building a Non-Anxious Life. I want you to check that book out as a family. And maybe that'll give you all a roadmap towards kind of what I'm talking about here. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we're back, and everyone's favorite episode, uh, whatever, segment, is that what we call it? It's not episode, segment. Segment, I think it's good. Am I the problem? All right. Or is it me? This is from Tim in Goshen, or Goshen, I'm not real sure, Kentucky. Hooked on phonics. Okay, how do you pronounce it? I don't know, World Geography, Magellan over there. I don't know, I just made that up. Goshen? Okay, anyway. All right, am I the problem? I'm 16 years old, and at my work, my boss was dis- excuse me, my boss was disrespectful to a customer over a minor issue. They had an argument about my manager's attitude and dismissiveness. Later, my boss vents to me about the argument, complaining that the customer, as always, uh, let's see, as if he was complaining about the customer as if he had done something wrong. She asked me if I was in the right, and I said that the way she came off at the start of the conversation may have been received as rude. Now, every time I go to work, she acts offended and speaks to me as little as possible. Should I have just not said anything? No, 16-year-old, I'm proud of you. I know. This is a great kid. That's a kid that was raised right and that has got good character and is strong. Good for, good for you, 16-year-old. Tim? Kind of, yeah, 100% believe that. This is a good kid. Yes. His parents should be very, very proud. They should. And Tim... Go find another job. Life is too short to work for bosses that have no character and no integrity. And they're going to take out their their hurt feelings on a 16-year-old who's got more character in his two, in his two feet than this. Your, yes, you are right, Tim. Good for you. It makes me happy. Yeah, it's hope for the future. And Tim even said it right. He wasn't like, yeah, you were totally rude. He's like, well, you could have come off as rude. I know. The way he, he even, handled it was I know, pretty impressive. He's almost like a married man. Yeah. He, like, he knows how to take the edge off a little bit. Good for him. Yeah. So, nope. Good for you, Tim. You're making me believe in the future. I believe the children. It's a rough sledding out there, Kelly. Future doesn't look great sometimes. But lucky for us, we're entering into an election season, which everyone's super thrilled about. Ah, oh, jeez. So with that joyful news, America, choose to treat your neighbors kind. Turn off the news. Just go be a positive addition to your community, because I think that's what we got right now. Love you guys. See you soon. <laughs>